the Classic Comics Forum podcast presents issue number 17, Wonder Woman, Space Pirate. Welcome back to the Classic Comics Forum podcast. As always, I'm your host, Scott Harris, and this time we'll be doing something a little bit different. Usually, of course, I'm joined by a guest who has been collecting comics for 30 or 40 years, but today I'll be joined by Classic Comics Forum member Outrageous to discuss her experiences as a new comic book collector. Inspired by a poster of Brian Bond's classic cover for Wonder Woman number 72, As a child, Outrageous briefly collected Wonder Woman and other DC superhero books before losing interest in comics. Recently, however, as an adult, Outrageous has returned to collecting comics, so I thought it would be interesting to get her viewpoint on the hobby and on the medium as someone who is coming to comics with a fresh perspective. So we'll be discussing her experiences getting into comics as an adult collector, and we'll also be discussing that seminal run that was so influential in her reading experience, the Wonder Woman Space Pirate storyline by William Messner Loeb that ran from Wonder Woman Volume 2, number 66 through 72. Hope you enjoy. So I'll just jump in uh, right off the top. What's the first comic book that you ever read? Actually, it was the Wonder Woman number 69. Um, it was, I grew up watching like Batman on television and um, the Wonder Woman with Linda Carter. And it was always kind of like an obscure thought to me. And then when I got to be about 13 or 14, um, I had this friend who was just so into comic books. And he told me I had to get, I had to start reading them. I had to start reading them. And um, then my grandfather, of all people, bought me that really iconic Wonder Woman bowl and poster so I figured, let me give that a try. And I read through that series and then a few of the Justice Leagues. And then I guess just being a teenage girl got in the way and I kind of got away from it. But that's how I really got into it. So in terms of uh, what you're reading now, what's the most recent comic that you've read other than, you know, rereading these Wonder Woman issues for this? Well, um, it's the, the 40s through the 70s of the Avengers. Um, I want to say that they're calling it like the third series with Kang the Conqueror. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kurt Busiek. Yeah. Oh, what did you think of that? Because I, I actually, I just met Kurt for the first time at a convention a, a week and a half ago. And oh, Kang's wow, my amazing. favorite character, uh, my favorite supervillain. So we, t- uh-huh. we had like a 10 minute conversation about how he used Kang in that storyline. Because I'm a huge fan of that Kang story. I was, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised because I was a DC girl because if Marvel was like a four letter word because of my friend and he was all into DC and if you even mentioned Marvel, he would shut down the conversation. Um, so I wasn't exactly sure what to expect from it, but for, so far from the, the ones that I've read, I mean, the writing is phenomenal and the storylines are really engrossing and you really want to get to know who these characters are if you don't know any of them which I only know a couple of the main ones, mostly from, please forgive me, the Marvel movies. But um, I'm, I'm really enthralled with them. I'm curious, um, you've mentioned you're up into the 70s on, on that series or so? Um, no, not that far yet. So far, I've, I'm into the mid-50s or so. Oh, okay. Well, okay, that, that's fine then. Because for me, uh, Kurt's last issue, I think, was 56. 
Uh, he left right after that Kang storyline ended. And mm-hmm. I felt like there was a pretty quick drop off in quality. So I was just going to ask if you had noticed that too, or if that was just my imagination. I'm only, I'm like two issues away from there. So I'm not really sure yet. It really, it really keeps you engrossed. I mean, it's like action after action after action, but it seems like it has a reason for it. It's not just blow it up and let's see what happens. It really feels, feels like a thought out story. Yeah, I love that Kang story. There are a couple things about it that are a little bit weird. The main one being <laughs> that, that it takes place in continuity, where Kang takes over the world and imprisons all the superheroes in these concentration camps. What was really jarring at the time reading it is that none of those events crossed over into any other titles at Marvel. So you're like, how are the Fantastic Four not noticing that Kang just took over the planet? But apparently they just <laughs> didn't even didn't didn't notice that. They were asleep or something. They might be off planet. Who knows? Um, the other thing that's interesting, you were probably not familiar yet, or maybe you are, with a series called Avengers Forever. Um, it's a series no, that... I haven't heard of. Kurt Busiek did it a couple years before this, and Kang is also the main character villain in that series. It's a 12-issue miniseries, but it's a much younger version of Kang. So the Kang we're getting in this story, you know, he's a he's an older guy who's sort of looking at his legacy. Mm-hmm. Since he's a time traveler, the Avengers get to fight all different versions of Kang from throughout his lifetime. And so in that story, they're fighting a Kang that's a good 25 years younger. He's in his prime. And he has a very different outlook and kind of a different personality in that storyline. They keep mentioning that in this storyline. Um, he keeps saying how we fought before and you stopped me then, but you're not going to do it this time. So that's that might be what the one that they're talking about then. And that story is really interesting I know you're just sort of getting into Avengers history. It's sort of a crash course on everything because what happens real quick in that is different individual Avengers members from different time periods of Avengers comics are pulled out of the time stream and put together in this team. So you have characters that are at fixed points, you know, like Captain America, for instance, is the Captain America from around issue 130 and he's got with him is like a uh, Hawkeye from like issue 25. And then there's a version of uh, like the Wasp and Giant Man from, you know, issue 450. And they're all on this team together, time traveling through different stories in Avengers history together. So it's like a huge continuity dump where you get everything that ever happened to the Avengers all in one story. <laughs> it's, it really, it's, it is well done. I mean, I, I would love to see them make a movie out of it, but, who knows if they would actually do it justice. So that would be great. Who's a character in comics that, that you have a particular fondness for? It's actually two of them. Um, I, I've been thinking about a, an answer for a question like this. Um, but for an overall character who maybe when I grow up one day, I want to be her, but it's Wonder Woman. I just, I love how she's written. I love that she's strong. I love that she's, she's powerful, but She's not the kind of character who's going to get in your face and try to force you to believe that she is. She just is who she is and take her or leave her. Um, but she's good for the sake of good. She wants to be good. She wants to do good. And I think she's got so many qualities that um, that I one day hope to emulate. And um, another character that I just, I, I love her just because she's so kooky is Power Girl. And almost nobody has ever heard of her outside of comic book circles, but she's just, for comic relief, you can't do better. So I'm um, curious what you thought of the Wonder Woman movie. I actually liked it. Um, I 
was I went into the theater thinking, okay, this is Hollywood. It's going to take this this character, and they're either going to go in one direction and make her like this uber Xena who doesn't really care about anything other than her ultimate goal, or they could take her in the other direction and they and not bring her up to her full potential. And then I got into the theater and I started watching this, and I fell in love with this character because. She was strong and she was powerful, but she wasn't, I don't, I'm not quite sure how to say it, but she was really the, the Wonder Woman that I fell in love with off the page. The other characters, I think, kind of were eclipsed by her, but I think um, the actress just really nailed it. Yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, I thought that Wonder Woman, the character, and Gal Gadot, the actress, were fantastic. I thought the story was kind of weak, particularly the ending. Like, basically, once they got out of London, the whole plot of the movie is let's walk from here to there and then fight a guy. Um, so yeah. I thought that the story wasn't as good as it could have been, but I thought as a character, she was fantastic. Yes. Um, I can't wait to see her do something else. Yeah. And I just, they couldn't, they, they had to kill Steve Trevor. They, why, why did they have to do that? I've read rumors that supposedly he's going to be back in the sequel, so I'm not sure how that's going to work, um, especially since the sequel is supposedly taking place in the 1980s. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be his grandson or something. Well, I mean, I guess if you can stick Captain America under ice for 70 years, you could do the same for Steve Roger or for Steve Trevor. So um, I always like to talk about Wonder Woman. I, I did a thing a few years ago where I bought all the Bronze Age Wonder Woman comics. And I sat down and read them all at once and I reviewed them on the board. So, and I hadn't read them before. So I, I did every issue from 178 up to 329 when her original series ended. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I started doing her second series, which is the one we're going to be talking about in a minute. And I, so I'd read basically all of Wonder Woman's issues from 1969 up until the storyline we're going to discuss tonight, because that's when I had stopped reading is the storyline right before this one. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that more when, when we get to that point. But I, I love talking about Wonder Woman. I'm a huge fan of Wonder Woman. I actually have a Wonder Woman costume that I go to conventions dressed up in cosplay as Wonder Woman. That's awesome. My uh, little sister is, um, her husband is huge into the cosplay scene. And she and her friend went as gender bent uh, Thor and Loki. And they couldn't have gone 10 steps without people wanting their pictures done with them. That's actually how I got into cosplay, too. My girlfriend is, is big into costumes. She's not a huge comic fan. She has a Thor costume. So we we went last year. She went as Thor and I went as Wonder Woman. Uh, and so so Power Girl, I'm curious how you became, like, uh, how you're familiar with Power Girl. Uh, like, what stories you've read with Power Girl? Um, The stories are nothing that, I have maybe two or three of her specific books. But the way I originally heard about her was back to my friend who was big into DC was talking about the Justice League one day and he was comparing Justice League to Suicide Squad. And so I was asking him, well, who are these characters that, that make up this group? And he's talking about Guy Gardner and Fire and Ice and, and he gets to this Power Girl and he had a, he happened to have a almost like a baseball card, but it had um, DC people on it. Mm -hmm. And he pulls out this card and she just she had this really simple it was back to the white outfit with the red cape really simple outfit and she just didn't seem like she made sense in this group of really highly evolved and developed characters so i asked him about her and he said the, the first words out of his mouth were where's my diet soda has anybody seen my diet soda 
And he was making a reference to something she had said. And at that point, it was, I have to find out about this character because she just seems like somebody who's kooky and out for a good time. And I want to see what she's like. And so I started picking up a couple of her comic books. And another friend of mine gave me, um, like, one of her first appearances in, I don't, I don't even know if it was her original, but I was reading through it and she thinks she's Superman's cousin. And then it's that's in one story and then it jumped to a different story and it was she's superman's cousin in this universe but not in this universe and i guess it's the whole i can't remember what they call it when they do that the different universe one yeah in the multiverse the she was originally superman's cousin in another universe she was from earth 2 and then right. when they combined the universes in Christ on Infinite Earths in 1985, they had to give her a new origin and so she was no longer superman's cousin instead she was the descendant of the uh, uh, residents of Atlantis, and she had got her powers through some sort of magical legacy. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I'm not a fan of that particular origin. I like her a lot better as Superman's cousin. She's basically Supergirl. You're right. Um, and she's Supergirl just from a different different planet as and an adult and not a teenager. That's that's the yeah. version. I, I like that origin for her. I think it's more interesting. It made sense it, because of the powers that she had. It really did make sense. Um, the whole multiverse thing that. That and still trying to wrap my brain around it because it just doesn't quite make sense to me yet. Well, I, I sympathize because when <laughs> I started reading while Crisis on Infinite Earths was coming out in 1985-86 is when I first started getting into DC superheroes and it was so confusing that I basically gave up on DC superheroes in general for 20 years because I, I just couldn't understand as a kid what was happening. I just did not get it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. Now that we've talked about the characters you like... What are some characters that, so far anyway, you don't like? Honestly, almost the entire Suicide Squad. Um, I understand you have to have, like, your dark characters, even, like, your anti-heroes and your your characters like the Punisher, and you, you need the ones with, like, the really dark past and the really gritty sort of, of storylines. Um, but sometimes I think a lot of those go too far. And when it gets to the point where you have, like, the body count is just, astronomical and I get to that point and I'm like I just I don't really need to read that but um like I said like the, a whole suicide squad arc it just it's so depressing so I kind of stay away from those I like the more of the lighthearted stuff I'm with you I, I hated the movie uh, I thought it was horrible <laughs> um and mainly because it was there was no one to root for I wanted all the characters in that movie to die I just <laughs> couldn't stand it yeah I'm, yeah I'm right there with you on that the original Suicide Squad, uh, let me rephrase this, the Suicide Squad comic from the 80s that this is mm-hmm. based on, I've read the first 15, 20 issues, and they're a, lot, they're a lot better than the movie. They're a lot more interesting. The characters are more nuanced in terms of Shades Grey. There are some characters in the team that are actually heroes, but yeah, I'm not a fan of Suicide Squad. I don't like most of the characters. I certainly don't like any of the new versions of any of them. No, it's, I mean... I'm, I like my heroes to be heroes. You know, I, I want to go in and I, I don't want to sit there and have to like close my eyes and go, no, I didn't just see my, my favorite character kill this innocent person. I don't want to see that. And I guess that's why I'm drawn to characters like Captain America and Wonder Woman, because deep down, they're truly heroes at heart. And hurting somebody else is, is painful for them. And they, they try to avoid it at all costs. And if, if I'm going to read superhero stuff, I... I want them to be superheroes. I do want to be able to root for them all the time. And I don't want to sit there and go, why, why, why did you do that? I completely agree. Uh, So usually I ask here, comic book creator you think is underrated. Um, 
let me let me that's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, let me change that question a little bit. Are there any comic book creators that have come to your attention that you're particularly interested in, like reading more stuff they've done? Um, I would probably have to say ones that I found are um, like John Byrne. I I like his stuff. Um, I like that. He seems to me like he can touch on the extreme without actually going there. Um, so it makes for an interesting read that, that really draws you in and holds you there. Um, other ones that I think I, I enjoy, I probably have to say it was a writer, or writers, plural, for uh, Justice League America. Um, they did the arc where um, Ice died, where she was killed. Um, I want to say Vedu, Campos, and... and Branch, I want to th- I say, it, think it is. Yeah, that was after after I'd stopped reading that, so I actually don't know who wrote that storyline. Yeah, no, it was Fire and Ice were actually two of my favorite characters, and they killed off one, and it was the very first time I'd ever written or I'd ever read uh, a comic book where one of the main characters was killed. And to me, it's that was like you you can't do that. That's just that's wrong. What are you what are you doing? You know. And um, but I think I liked how they wrote that. I liked how they kept it. Um, they really had a lot of heart in it and it made you cry when you were reading it. And that for me, I'm not exactly, I mean, I've watched old yeller and I didn't die when the dog, I didn't cry when the dog died at the end. I'm just heartless that way. But even I was crying with the way that he wrote it. So, or they wrote it, excuse me. So, but that's, those are probably a couple that, um, that stand out to me. So on the flip side, are there any creators you've come in contact with or stuff you've read where you just don't like the story you don't like the art or something hmm um it wouldn't nec- it's more the characters than the stories it's things like sometimes like maybe the flash i think is overrated and i know it's probably sacrilege to say but um or the green lantern is actually a story that i just can't seem to get into um because it, it's it's based on we're going to give you a magic ring from a group of people who think they know more than anybody else on the planet and Whatever your imagination is, excuse me, uh, that's what you can create. And you, you make these godlike characters, and those kind of characters don't interest me because I want to see the struggle behind the character. I want to see the struggle that they have to face when they go out, and this is my life, and this is my job, and how do I make the two combine without one hurting the other? And when you have those god characters, it's it's just too easy. There, there's no There's no grip. There's no heart behind it i guess it's interesting you say that as someone who came into comics as a dc person because the the gulf you're describing the two different styles of of stories is is the classic distinction between dc and marvel marvel characters are the ones that are considered to have like the real life problems whereas the dc characters traditionally are sort of these overpowered icons that that's changed you know over the last 30 years as marvel became more and more popular dc integrated more of their storytelling techniques into the dc books but -hmm. back in the day it used to be where the dc books were almost all very plot driven with these really powerful characters and it wasn't really until marvel sort of brought in the human element that dc had to sort of react um it's just interesting to me that that as a dc person this is what you're saying because that's you, everything you're saying makes you sound like a classic Marvel fan. <laughs> I think I may actually be becoming a Marvel fan. It's, it's, it's. Oh, I wish I would have read more of them when I was a kid. I probably would have actually continued to read them after the first, like, I think I have fifty that I read when I was a kid total, 
And um, yeah, I, I if if I would have actually expanded my horizons a little bit more back then, I might have continued through the years. It's totally fine to say that you're not interested in Flash or Green Lantern. I personally am not a huge fan of either of those characters either and partially for the same reasons especially the older stories you know 60s 70s you got flash who can vibrate his molecules at the speed of light uh and can basically do anything he's so overpowered that they really have to jump through hoops to try and figure out ways to keep him from just single-handedly defeating everybody in less than one second exactly and i think on the marvel side i think spider-man is kind of that way you know in an odd sort of way i mean he has so many He's got his spidey sense, and he's got his little magic uh, wrist things that shoot the, the, the web. And, I mean, he can qu- crawl on walls, and he can do all this, and it's you can't get the drop on him. And and yet, somehow, he always has his struggle. But Spider-Man is another one that's a little bit overrated in my mind. Well, if you ever get to the point where you're interested in reading Spider-Man, the, the first hundred issues of Spider-Man are kind of the classic series in terms of introducing real world problems in in terms of character it actually Mm -hmm. got to the point for me when i was reading through them that there was so much melodrama and personal issues that i stopped enjoying it it just got too over the top with all the the personal drama and not enough superhero x for me but um, so they took it to the other extreme i i thought so but this is uh stan lee was still writing it he wrote the first hundred issues so there's some great, great stuff. A lot of people think that's like the best run in, in superhero comics. So would I be remiss in saying, or am, am I going to be like have my car keyed if I actually come out and say that I am not a huge Stan Lee fan? No, I don't think so. Especially like, I mean, he hasn't really written much since 1971. So it's fair to say that his style is pretty old fashioned at this point. Old fashioned is fine. Um, in in some ways, it's, it's it's actually good, but I just he just doesn't necessarily hit all hit the buttons that I want to that I necessarily want to read about but everywhere you turn it's Stanley this and Stanley that and Stanley had a who wants to be the next superhero show and I'm just maybe it's oversaturation he's really good at self-promotion he uh, oh yeah and the quality of his work back in the 60s you may be familiar with this already but it's it's heavily dependent on who he's working with they use the marvel method where he would just give his artists a basic outline and then they would go off and just do it. And then he'd add the words later. So when he was working with artists who are geniuses like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, mm-hmm. they would come up with great stuff. When he was working with artists that weren't geniuses, mm-hmm. a, a lot of his stuff is just not that great. Uh, because <laughs> you know, a, a lot of the actual writing work was being done by other people. Okay. So he was standing on the shoulders of the giants, but yeah. his name is what came out. In, in a way, he was also the editor. He was editing all the titles and writing all the titles at Marvel, so he just didn't have time to really do it. So, mm-hmm. like, from his perspective as an editor, he was deciding which other people would be working with him on which titles. So he, it's kind of really difficult to figure out who gets the ultimate credit on a lot of those things because he was making the top-level decisions, and then people like Kirby were filling in the ideas. Wow, that's that kind of blows your mind a little bit. Yeah, it's always a point of contention with people in terms of who actually gets the credit for creating these characters, you know, mm-hmm. um, not to get too off topic, but something like Spider-Man is a big, big sticking point as to who created Spider-Man because Stanley originally asked Jack Kirby to create Spider-Man 
and he didn't like what Kirby did, so then he asked Ditko to do a different version. And it's the Ditko version that is Spider-Man as we know it now. So Ditko basically says, you know, he created Spider-Man. But Stan Lee's like, that's fine. He he created a lot of the stuff, you know, that goes into Spider-Man, but I told him to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a huge point of contention how much credit Stan Lee actually deserves for all this stuff. Wow. It's, I, I like when you can go to a specific writer and they can say, I, I didn't come up with the costume, I didn't come up with the hairstyle, but you know what? That character, who they are inside, that's all me. And I like those kind of those kind of writers. Yeah, there's there's a lot of... Uh, less well-known is when Roy Thomas took over from Stan. He kind of did the same thing in several instances. For instance, it was his idea to have a character called Wolverine, and he told the people that created Wolverine to do it. So... He is sometimes listed as a co-creator Wolverine because he was like, I want a, like a Canadian superhero named Wolverine. Go make one for me. But <laughs> he wasn't actually involved in like the costume or the character. So yeah. anyway, See, getting, I, yeah, go ahead. I would not say that that was, he was, I would not say he was a creator at that point. A name is one thing, but you, you have to have their personality. That's, that's what the character is. The character's not the costume and the character's not, not, this really great, awesome name. It's it's who they are behind the costume and the, and the name that makes them lovable or hateable. So uh, if you were stranded on a desert island, mm-hmm. what comic book story or run or series would you bring with you? What's like the one thing you'd want to have to reread? Or oh, read for the first anything. time even. Oh, even for the first time? Um, actually, I would love to have the original series that Wonder Woman showed up in. Like her very first appearance... From where she starts to the very end of that of that genre or the that series, I would pay anything to be able to read those because I want to see if she was the same then as she was when I started following her back in the nineties. Well, uh, most of those early ones are collected in um, hardcover, like reprint editions. I forget what DC calls them. They're archives, I think, is what they're called. So that's something you can do. You know, one thing that's interesting is. Her first appearance was not in Wonder Woman. It was in, or in Sensation. She originally in the 40s had two titles that were going simultaneously, Wonder uh, Wonder Woman and Sensation Comics. But her first appearance was in All-Star Comics, number eight, in a backup story in All-Star Comics. Okay. And All-Star Comics is where the Justice Society of America had, it was a team book. And what's interesting is they debuted her there and then immediately gave her her own two titles. So while she's appearing in her main two titles with the creative team, the uh, Charles um, Marston and H.G. Uh, Peter was the artist. They were doing all the stories for Solo Stories for Wonder Woman, but she was also appearing at the same time in this team book in All-Star Comics. And the people working on that had a very different view. They did not like Wonder Woman. They didn't like having a female character. So in the pages of All-Star Comics, she's the team's secretary. Oh, and wow. And so while they're trying to do this uh, sort of groundbreaking feminist stuff in her own title, in All-Star, she's just a secretary. She, she goes on missions and stuff with them, but it's like, hey, Wonder Woman, get your notepad out. The men are about to start talking. <laughs> wow. See, that, um, the one thing I caught on that, I don't see her as a feminist kind of character. Hmm, that's um, interesting. I, I really don't. Um, she doesn't, to, to me anyway, and I mean, I could be wrong. It's been known to happen, but... Um, to me, she doesn't seem like the kind of character who is always trying to prove herself that she's better than a man or she's even as good as. And and I guess when she was written, maybe she was 
there to originally give um, start a new audience, like more girls to start reading comic books and things. But I don't really see her as a feminist kind of character. I see her as just a woman who she has a job to do and she's going to do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says, man, woman, child. It doesn't matter. It's just it's my job and I have to do it. I'm the only one that can. And maybe that's one of the things that speaks to me because I call myself um, I'm a classical feminist and maybe that's why she speaks to me, but she never came across to me as the feminist type. Well, I should say that Charles Marson had some very specific ideas of what feminism meant. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a conversation that we could do an entire two episodes (laughs) on, but he, he had some, I don't know how familiar you are with him or his situation, but uh, there's actually a movie coming out about him. That's coming out just later this month about how Wonder Woman was created. Um, uh, Luke Evans, the guy who played uh, Gaston in the live-action Beauty and the Beast, is playing him. Oh, wow. And uh, basically, he was married, but then he also had... There's basically a threesome where he and his wife and his mistress was... His mistress was also his wife's mistress, and the three of them lived together for like 40 years. or 30, 30 years. So... He had some very specific ideas of, of what uh, feminism meant. He, he was really into uh, bondage stuff. And so the early Wonder Woman comics are filled with um, a lot of offbeat ideas, uh, let's say. Like uh, her, her manacles, you know, there's a whole thing about them in those issues where if she was, uh, used to be where if she were bound by a man, she lost all of her superpowers and... You know, she's got that lasso she ties people up with. The DC actually had to write a letter to him to tell him to stop putting so many bondage elements in the story because it was getting too creepy. Wow. Uh, so I, if you ever read those early stories, I'd be really curious what you think about them because he has a definite idea of... So there's, a, there's a lot of stuff about submission and domination, but he also has this idea that women are kind of inherently better than men. So it's about her sort of coming to man's world to spread this message of feminine like love and submission to the men who don't get it. (laughs) Oh no, that's that. Oh yeah. She's definitely changed a lot then. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't believe that any gender is better than another. There's, I mean, we we're all here. We're all different and that's okay. And that's good because if we were all the same, then we'd be in a lot of trouble, but she just, I'm definitely going to have to get those originals because I am so interested now. There's a really interesting book, maybe something like The Secret Origin of Wonder Woman, but it's by Jill <laughs> Lepore. It's it's a book that talks all about the history of how Wonder Woman was created and the influences. But anyway, I could go on about this for a long time because I'm a big Wonder Woman fan. But last question before we actually get to talk about the Wonder Woman comics okay. is um, if you could have just one like a dream comic. So any character, any writer, artist, any, anybody you want doing a book. What comic would you want to read? Could I do, like, can I have crossovers even? Sure. I would like to do, and of course I have to do Wonder Woman, um, and Captain America. I'd read it. Um, I, I would love to see those two, because if you, I mean, they both have, their baseline is the same. Like, of who they, why they do what they do, and, and that kind of thing. It's it's just this innate sense for them. But they both go about it in completely different ways, and... I think it would be really interesting to see these two really strong personality characters have to come together and find a way to accomplish a goal together. I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm trying. And to I would love to see them go after Wolverine because, or go after the Punisher or something like that, and be like, 
I would love to see that. So the characters have met a couple times in crossovers, but they have Actually, one of my prized possessions is I have one crossover of Wonder Woman and Storm from the event, the X-Men. Ah, yeah, I think that was that was probably uh, during the DC versus Marvel event. Um, yes. Yep. I had to have that one. And I, I loved reading it. It was so goofy and, and dippy, but I love that, that crossover. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned Punisher though, because they did this thing um, called the amalgam universe where okay. there was this, this guy who named access who could cross over between the DC and the Marvel universes. And <laughs> there was this uh, like temporal universal flux or something. And the two universes temporarily merged so for one month at the comic shop, they were putting out Marvel and DC were working together to put out these comics that were these weird um, yep. amalgam versions of characters that were they had like melded together. Yeah, that's that's I remember it was called the Fantasy Shop where I lived in St. Louis, and I remember um, me and a group of people were standing outside waiting for them to open just so we could get in there when the first one came out. Well, the this combined universe the version of Wonder Woman, this happened while she was sort of in this 90s phase where she was wearing like this black outfit with all these like belts and straps and stuff. Yep. And so her series was called Bullets and Bracelets and she was teamed up with Punisher. He was the bullets part and she was the bracelets part. Uh, so <laughs> it's, and that, yeah, to me that just seemed like totally not something that Wonder Woman would normally be doing, teaming up with Punisher. I could not see that. I could see her going after Punisher, but I can't see her teaming up with him. Yeah, but I, oh. even though I know she has met Captain America a couple times, but I can't remember reading anything where they really interacted much. Like in Justice League versus Avengers in that limited series, she had some screen time with Thor and she had some screen time with Hercules, other like uh, mythological characters. But... I can see her fitting in there. Yeah. All right, but, so yeah. let, let's get to the issues at hand. Um, okay. I'm just going to go over a little uh, background of how this, these stories sort of came about. It's, it's kind of a long setup, but um, okay. so Wonder Woman had an interesting situation for a long time where the book was not selling well, uh, but DC couldn't cancel it because they didn't own the character of Wonder Woman. The character was still owned by the Marston estate and DC only had a, like a, basically a lease contract where they could only keep the rights to the character as long as they kept publishing a Wonder Woman comic book. So it gave her a lot of uh, protection against cancellation because they had to keep putting it out no matter how badly it sold. Okay. And, but it also didn't, they didn't have much incentive to make the comic good. So for a long time, it really struggled for years and years, not very good stories, terrible sales. So when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, uh, what they did was they decided to, they canceled the book and they completely reimagined it guy named George Perez was the writer and the artist and he they rebooted the series completely and brought in all these mythological elements and it, it was really good very interesting take on on everything not traditional superhero but kind of more similar to Thor in that it, it was sort of like high fantasy in a superhero world and it sold really really well for a while but Eventually, he, he was just too slow an artist to keep drawing it, so he had to bring in another artist, and he's one of the best and most popular superhero artists in the world, so whoever they brought in just wasn't going to be as great as he was. And so the quality of the book went down a little bit, and people started getting tired of all this mythology stuff. So after issue 62, George Perez left the series, 
And between issues 62 and 63, they'd had Wonder Woman Annual number two came out with a new writer, which is a guy by the name of William Messner Loeb. He completely went the opposite direction. The first story has got Wonder Woman fighting Deathstroke the Terminator. And <laughs> so it's like right off the bat, they're going to reestablish this as a superhero thing. And they're going to ditch all of the mythological elements and all that stuff that Perez has been doing and go straight on superhero book. So in the first storyline, she's fighting Deathstroke. Second storyline, which started around issue 66, was a really, really oddball one. And that's the one we're going to be talking about here, where she gets tricked into going into space on this mission to rescue a stranded cosmonaut or something. And when she gets out there, it turns out, again, the whole thing has just been a ploy to get a Wonder Woman off Earth. And she and this cosmonaut get shunted through this dimensional wormhole to the far side of the galaxy and she gets captured by space pirates who enslave her because there's this whole civilization that where the race of aliens are all men there's no women in the society so whenever they come across women from other races they enslave them because they hate women and she leaves that leads this slave rebellion and becomes this pirate queen where she's got a ship of all women pirates who are going around freeing other women and fighting the patriarchy in space. And that's where we picked up with your first issue, 69, is in the middle of this storyline where she's um, trying to overthrow this uh, space patriarchy. Uh, what did what were your thoughts at the time when you when you read this as a kid? And I'm curious, like how your thoughts on this story have changed since then. Um, when I was a kid and I was reading it, it never occurred to me that an Earthbound superhero could end up in space, and it, that was something that just kind of got my attention and it made me really want to keep reading it. And um, yeah, I know I was I was a stupid kid and it, it should have it should have dawned on me, but it didn't. And um, so I'm starting to read it, and I'm watching her in the book. It's almost like from where would the the one that I started with, it almost seemed like she had forgotten who she really was. And then as you read through 70, 71, 72, you can actually see it like just kind of dawn on her that it isn't, this is not who I am. And she starts to really come back to the Wonder Woman that she was when she left Earth. And you can without her even actually saying anything specific to it, you can just really tell that's what's going on. And when I was a kid reading it, it was kind of like one of those aha moments of, you know what, it doesn't matter what path you're going down, you can always turn around and go back to where you were if you don't like what you've become. And um, I think even reading it today, it has a lot of that same message behind it, but also reading it, geez, I, I don't want three decades later, it's a... Uh, a lot of the, the feminist stuff does come out in it, but it's, I think it's more of a butterfly effect of she was this, this great, awesome character on earth. She leaves and for a good reason, but she still leaves. And they, they kind of trap her in this cocoon of this, this warrior who's only being a warrior to survive at first. And then um, she starts to realize, you know what? I'm, I'm better than this. This is not me. And I just, I love how she comes back out to the, that awesome character that she was originally. Does that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I can see it in the text. There were a couple things about her transition that I felt 
didn't quite play right for me. And the, mm-hmm. the first one is that the amount of time in terms of real life, just number of issues where she's in space, it seems to her character like she's been there for years. She's forgotten mm-hmm. how to speak English by issue 70. Right. And I found that to be really bizarre in terms of how DC's time scale works. Because normally, if you're doing a storyline for three or four issues, it's going to take like a couple days. And But everyone in these stories, it makes it seem like she's been off Earth for like a whole year or more. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like the writer was um, pushing it a little bit. Uh, like Almost like um, he had this character arc that he wanted to do, but he had to sort of rush through it. It was sort of everything was compressed. And so for me, I didn't quite buy it fully because I was like, how is this much time passed? How could she have forgotten how to speak English, for instance? But on the flip side, yeah, I I did appreciate how she sort of came back to who she was by by issue 70 towards the end. I really liked that at the climax of the story, they don't actually win by beating them up. She just has a talk with the emperor and convinces him that he's making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. That to me is a very Wonder Woman thing to do. So I liked that. I felt like the feminist aspects of it were a little heavy handed. And by a little heavy handed, I mean, wow. <laughs> like beat you over the head. with <laughs> yeah. Just the whole setup where there's this species that hate women because they're all men and they've genetically like engineered themselves not to have female children anymore. The race used to have women where every thousand years they'd switch genders, but now they, they don't want to switch back to women. And so they're enslaving all the women. Like it was, uh, I think there might be subtler ways to get this message across. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. It's yeah. It's, I love how you put that. Um, yeah, it, it does want to beat you over the head with the feminism aspect. But if you can get past that, um, it's, I, I love the story. It's just so, it is out there. It's not something that you would ever expect from her. Yeah. Now, as a, someone who's read thousands and thousands of comics, there's other storylines that are similar in some ways. Some that have happened since and some that have happened before. And like a series that happened many, many years later, the planet Hulk storyline that the new Thor movie is based on uh, is is a similar sort of thing where Hulk gets shot into space by his friends and he ends up going through this wormhole and ends up on this gladiator planet where he's enslaved and forced to fight and then he ends up leading a slave revolt um, that that came out in like 2008 so it was, it was long after this but both of these stories reminded me of a classic Fantastic Four storyline where Basically, the same sort of thing happened when he was the thing who was kidnapped by the Skrulls and forced to, uh, I think it was by the Skrulls, forced to fight in this arena and then makes friends with like his fellow gladiators and, and helps lead them to freedom. Uh, so that aspect of it was really interesting and so weird for Wonder Woman. It was something that I have seen in other storylines that I, I've, I'm not sure this was referencing them directly, but that felt like indirectly they all were sort of circling around the same idea i mean it's a good idea to to use and um it's that whole there's nothing new under the sun so you gotta have to there's no new ideas so you just kind of have to reinvent the old ones so do it with thor do it with fantastic four do it with wonder woman it it makes it all brand new and shiny again right one thing i thought was particularly weird about this 
was was not the story itself. It was what happened after the story. In this issue 72, you mentioned it's got the all-time classic cover by Brian Boland, um, which mm. has turned into a poster. It's really famous. There's statues of it. And they, I think, a very wise decision. They used this issue to retell Wonder Woman's origin because it had been a while at this point. And since there's still kind of a newer creative team taking the book in a new direction, I think it was a good idea to retell that origin. So I liked that. But in this issue, she... At the end of 71, she gets back to Earth. And in 72, there's this sequence where she's like, yep, there's this guy, for reasons that I don't understand, decided to shoot me into space and send me through this wormhole to get me off planet because he's got some sort of... Must be because he's got some sort of terrible scheme he's doing. (laughs) But I'm not going to worry about it. And she doesn't even go to find out anything about why any of that happened to her. She just says... Well, if he does something else in the future, I guess I'll just keep an eye on him. But for now, what can I do? And yeah. that was just weird for me. That Yeah, it's um, she's smarter than that. And maybe they were just tired of the whole arc and they want to just get past it. I, I'm not really sure, but that's not exactly something any sane person would do. No, and considering she's Wonder Woman, I'm pretty sure she has resources to figure out what this guy right. is doing. Heck, she can even go to the Justice League. She works with them. I feel like I would expect Wonder Woman in this situation to just go and ask the guy what he was doing. Um, I can see, I can just see her sort of going into his office and being like, you shot me into space. Why did you do that? Um, <laughs> and then when that didn't work, then she, you know, can, she has lots of ways to get answers. She knows Batman, you know. She can Blast figure, all she needs. Yep. But no, instead they, she just decides not to even bother. And instead there's this really, um, forced storyline where because her room was rented out while she was gone, she now needs to get an apartment. And so that means she needs a job. And so she gets a job at Taco Bell. <laughs> and that's, that's basically where the next issue is, is her getting, and then the storyline goes from there. And that was, it was so strange that it was like a well-known thing at the time. There's a lot of publicity where people are like, what are they doing in Wonder Woman? <laughs> With, mm-hmm. Where she's that's working painful. at Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely painful. Now, were you still reading at that time or did you stop before they got into the Taco Bell storyline? That I stopped before they got into that. Putting your icon in a box like that, it just, yeah, it's it's not a good sight. So I probably avoided it for that reason. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. So the, like the next issue, 72, it sounds like was your last issue. The next issue is her wearing, it's it's called Taco World, but it's wearing like the Taco Bell fast food uniform, like holding up a burrito or something on the cover. So I can see why going from this all-time classic cover to here's Wonder Woman selling junk food that would be a turnoff if I was a kid reading it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I just, I'm actually, I have the poster on my wall right now, and it's like, I'm looking at it, and to me, that is quintessential Wonder Woman. I mean, she's classy, and she's beautiful, and she's strong, but she's she's feminine, feminine at the same time, and you just, you want to get to know her, and you want to be in her presence kind of a thing, and then you stick her in a Taco Bell outfit that just makes you want to slap somebody. Well, the writer, William Messnerlobe, he's a guy who was not afraid to do weird things with his character. He was coming off of a long run on Flash when he took over Wonder Woman. And in that Mm -hmm. run, he did a lot of really oddball storylines. So he was a guy that definitely thought outside the box. 
Um, after that storyline, there was a long storyline that went on where Wonder Woman ended up losing the title of Wonder Woman. They had another one of these contests uh, on the Paradise Island, and someone else won the contest. Artemis mm-hmm. um, won the contest and became the new Wonder Woman. So Diana continued to fight crime, but that's when she got this black outfit because she was no longer allowed to wear her classic outfit because one uh, Artemis was now Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And that ran through issue 100, and then Artemis died wonder woman became wonder woman again and that was uh william messner Loeb's last issue with issue 101 they relaunched the series in another new direction with john byrne doing the art and the writing now that you know actually i do recall wonder woman losing the ability to be wonder woman but it seems like just about every big comic book character has had something like that happen to him yeah it was very popular motif at marvel in particular in the late 80s uh, and early 90s, but it also spilled over to DC during the same period. And in this case in particular, this is actually based on a two-part story from the 70s that ran in Wonder Woman 250 and 251, where the exact same thing happened. They had a new contest, Artemis, uh, her rival, became the new Wonder Woman. And then over the course of the story, basically, she was sort of this more uh, militant um, an egotistical Wonder Woman, and that caused her to lose this battle and get killed. And mm-hmm. is sort of the basic point of all of these stories is to be like, it's more than the powers and the costume, it's the person that is in the role that's important. Um, mm-hmm. it, that's one of the highlights of the original Wonder Woman series from the 70s is that two-part storyline. I feel like probably was better in the 70s than this 15-part storyline that took place in the 90s. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could definitely see that. It's I don't think you necessarily have to have a hundred different, a hundred issues to say one thing, but I don't know. I guess a lot of it's also about the almighty dollar too, unfortunately. So after you stopped <laughs> reading uh, Wonder Woman with 72, how did your reading collecting, like, I know I, it's my understanding that you were out of comics for quite a while and you've recently gotten back into them. How did that all happen? Once again, this is going to be blasphemous, but um, I went and saw the first Iron Man movie that came out. And I went kicking and screaming. I did not want to see it. I had no interest in it. It was Marvel, so it was automatically going to suck. And um, But I went and saw it because my nephew wanted to see it, and I took him. And I walked out of that theater just absolutely pumped. I thought it was really good, and I, I wanted to know more. So I started watching the movies, and um, from there it went into, um, admittedly, I am a role player gamer nerd. And I joined up with a role-playing group that was doing Marvel. And um, the gentleman that leads the group, he is just, he knows absolutely everything about Marvel. You can ask him a question about the most obscure thing and he can tell you. And we were talking one day and he said, you know what, I really think you should read the Kang series because my world is based on it. And you can answer so many questions that you have just by reading it. So... That was part of it. Another one is there's a gentleman that is uh, that does classic comics uh, for him, and we were talking, and he was telling me one day that anytime he posts something that's pro woman or does some sort of spotlight on a woman uh, character, he loses followers. And I'm thinking Twitter followers. What are you talking about? And so he was telling me about the classic co- uh, comics forum. So I jumped on there and I started reading a few things and. Just the passion and the fire and the love that everybody on this 
on this board have for comic books really got me thinking that, you know what, maybe I want to start reading these again. Because I remember reading them as a kid and just being able to transport off into this magical world of, of powers and, and good people and bad people and just wanting to make the world a better place. So I, I picked up a couple of my old comics and I was, I was flipping through them. And then I got the, the series from the Kang series and I started reading those and I've been hooked ever since. And it hasn't been long. It's only been a couple of months. And unfortunately I can't read them every day. Like I'd like to, because I've got uh, little kids, but when I read them, it just, you sit there and you're just like, this is what somebody was thinking at the time. And they put it down and they wanted to share it with the rest of the world. And I love how you can take so many different writers and so many different illustrators and you put them all together and you can come up with these cohesive stories that just that grab your attention and keep you there. So um, I, it's probably how I got back in a really convoluted sort of non-comic book sort of a way. No, oh, that's great. I mean, that that sort of sense of wonder is, I think, why those of us who who still collect and read comics, that's why we do it. Yeah, it's the one thing I've, I've learned and that I've really seen. And, I, and once again, I could be wrong, but it seems like especially the people on this board, you guys do have the sense of wonder and it's this almost childlike awe of the world around you. And yes, everybody knows that the world is not the best place and that there's a lot of stuff wrong, but you guys all seem to see it in, in a way that I would like to see it that way because it makes it better than it really is. And I think the more people, just the more people in general that can see the world as a better place, the world will slowly become a better place. And it's, I know that doesn't make sense, but in my mind it does just because I'm weird. But I don't know. I think we need more people that have that sense of awe and wonder. And comic books are kind of a, a good way to keep that in mind. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, I'd like to thank Outrageous for joining me, and I hope you'll join us here next time for another episode of the Classic Comics Forum podcast. And as always, you can visit us online at classiccomics.org to join in the conversation. 